Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Film House. This is the first of the year. I think mm-hmm. we're I think we're technically coming back. This is a January when we pre-recorded before the holidays. Um and so now we're coming back to the beginning of the year. I'm actually really excited for this one. For once. For once. <laughs> well, we're not going to be arguing about the merits of two completely random films with each other this week. Uh, we're going to be having some cool conversations with some really cool people. At least you're included amongst the cool people. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You're not allowed to go anywhere else because you live here. Um, but uh, I'm also excited for this guest uh, that I know Elise and I have uh, been reading for quite some time not to make yeah. not to make you feel uncomfortable Vince but we've been reading you for quite some time yeah. um and we follow each other on Twitter we followed each other for some time and we've tried to coordinate this to happen but it, we just said 2020 is not the right year let's wait <laughs> <laughs> let's wait until the timing is right Vince Mancini thank you so much for coming on oh thanks for having me it's been a long time coming I'm glad we're sliding in just under uh, the one year mark. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it finally. Vince, uh, Vince is a senior film and culture writer at Uproxx. He's a founder of uh, the Film Drunk, uh, former former blog. Um, yeah. Now it's now it's just kind of an entity within Uproxx. Of it's its own entity there, right? Um, yeah. And then also the creator of the Frotcast. And and pod yourself a gun, the Sopranos podcast. You're also a stand-up comedian, which is one of my favorite things about you. Is you're very very <laughs> funny person, very funny to read, and very funny performer. So, oh, thank you. I haven't performed in a while, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't miss it that much. No, <laughs> I feel really? like other people. Yeah, no, not really. I, I because we had such a such a legacy with Film Drunk, mm-hmm. having you know, I guess for a decade now been fans of it if not longer i i remember when it was formed i remember when it came out because i read a lot read read is not the right word but i i went to what would tyler durden do a lot and then i somehow they were i think they were built in the same wordpress kind of formatting or whatever (laughs) and they so they came like this other site and it was like oh devoted to film and i was like yep and i went over there and if i recall i think one of the earliest banner images was like the bubbling suds yeah of of, yeah yeah. that was our original uh our original graphic Mm -hmm. i think my idea was like to spell it out in bats like the fear and loathing poster and uh Uh (laughs) our graphic designer wisely was like uh, that sounds too busy and doesn't uh-huh. really go with the name, so we're not going to do that. And, well, uh, well, Film Drunk was one of the sites that I would, you know, do the check three times a day. Are there new? Are there new mm-hmm. posts coming? Are there new posts coming? Yeah, yeah. Um, because this makes me laugh, and it has kind of the like twist on entertainment news. We were talking the other day about what a, some of our favorite recurring jokes that you did. Mm-hmm. were and you brought up jason statham yeah well, i mean we're not trying to put you on the spot because <laughs> like obviously because but it's it is it is one of those things where i have i have the birthday dog shirt i yeah so did i we both have shirts um and it was like i mean it's kind of it not to this is dating all of us so this isn't putting you on the spot but like <laughs> yeah. it, it was a pre-youtube kind of thing where yeah. i followed the site for your voice and your personality and like when you introduced new kinds of segments, like there's Friday free for all and all kinds of Jason Statham as the character when you'd write his his articles and his voice or even uh, a movie's plot 
summarized through negative reviews and stuff like that. Like all of these things were just like felt like shows, different shows on the channel that was film drunk. And so I, I, I have always appreciated the influence that you've had on me. Um, and I thought it was just such a great way to combine things that I love, which are comedy and film. So oh, I miss the old school blogging days, too. I wish the Internet was still uh, more like it was in uh, 2009 or whatever. In some ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in some ways, but like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I miss the days when we had like our Google Reader sites all in one mm-hmm. place. And you'd go to your like, I don't know, 20 blogs or whatever that you'd read that you read. And uh, yeah, those were good. Those were good times. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm still in that mentality where I would rather read a post than watch a video. That's very much how I am. I feel like that's most people. I, uh, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like the pivot to video was like a phenomenon of fake Facebook views and we're still mm-hmm. like living in the aftermath to some degree. But yeah. For you mentioned like the Google Reader stuff. I feel like a pretty good example of it. I was going to have us talk about it more, but then Elise accurately pointed out that it would be irrelevant news by the time people actually watch this but like all that stuff that was happening the other day as of the recording this with the spider-man casting spider-man 3 that mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of those old days except it was just people on twitter posting the same news story over and over again without like an actual voice like without someone going like alfred molina's on spider-man and here's why this is interesting and here's why this is funny you know or something like that so that world yeah, that you're like talking we just about, have a bunch you know? of like crap content with none of the fun jokes to go with it like we used to have yeah yeah i mean i'm contributing in a lot of ways to that crap content but, oh uh, we all are this <laughs> is the ecosystem that we live in now yeah yeah um but yeah so so you've been do- how long has the fraudcast been going on i feel like that's been going for a while too uh i mean again dating ourselves becoming a theme i start i think we started in 2010 or 11 so like mm-hmm. basically a decade basically Lost almost all of the original hosts, but I'm still, <laughs> hey. I'm still doing it. Hey, so. high fives, buddy! We're <laughs> yeah. we're in it too. It's you and me both. Um, <laughs> uh, same for us over here. Um, but yeah, you guys have been doing you've been doing that for a really long time. And then the uh, Pod Yourself a Gun Sopranos podcast. That uh, that that is that more recent? I feel like that's more recent. Yeah, I think it's. I think we've been doing it. I don't know, maybe like a a year and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. Like we started the broadcast, you know, in the early days of podcasting when a podcast was just like, ah, oh, whatever, just turn mm-hmm. it on and talk about whatever. It was, you know, kind of like movie based, but we quickly realized that it was easier to just talk about whatever than try to get four guys to see the same uh, movie every week. And mm-hmm. then it kind of just became like an inside joke podcast, which is really hard to uh, <laughs> sell someone who doesn't know Attract who you are. Audience. On. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm not a famous guy or anything and none of my guests are, but you want to listen to people just crack jokes that a hundred people uh, understand. So mm-hmm. we kind of started pod yourself a gun. Cause we were like, Oh, what if we actually had like a focus topic and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, like a concept that was easily understandable. So that's kind of what we did. And we still, make the same dumb inside jokes every episode, but uh, there's a format to it at least. I thought you were just waiting or, you know, laying in wait for Sopranos enough time to pass Mm -hmm. where now, okay, now we can do a Sopranos podcast. Yeah. We kind of like, well, we were talking about it and then I think we were just me and my co-host Matt, I think we were just um, talking about the Sopranos. Then we realized it was like 
the 20th anniversary or was about to be the 20th anniversary of uh, the first episode. And mm-hmm. uh, we thought, oh, well, hey, why not? Let's, uh, that seems like, it seems like a, a thing whose time has come. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. And just in time for the movie, the remake, the re anime from the people who brought us the Adams Family animated remake are <laughs> doing Sopranos again. Um, uh, so, but a but big thing is you write about, you know, films and like that whole world and everything like that's a big part of what we know you for. And I think what you what you still do a lot of right over mm-hmm. at Uproxx. Um, yep. How has this year been for you, given that it feels like everything kind of stopped in a lot of ways, at least theatrically? I mean, it's uh, there's so many different um, like angles to that, like. The idea that now we do the press tour from our own house and we watch the movies from our own house is actually like good for me in some ways because mm-hmm. I moved to the Central Valley, um, I don't know, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so I used to, you know, a lot of the times they don't screen movies here. They screen movies in like, you know, the six major media markets that mm-hmm. no one who actually writes about movies for a living can afford to live in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i'd have to do a lot of driving either up to san francisco or down to la so in that sense like it makes it a lot easier but then at the same time uh you know we don't have like theatrical movies in the same way anymore Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's a whole strange thing because it's like you know before you'd have like two or three movies opening on any given weekend and now there's probably like 10, mm-hmm. but we have to try and figure out which ones are people going to hear about, like which ones are worth writing yeah. about. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. That's- and it's not like a very good business model to have to watch like 20 hours of content in order to write <laughs> yeah. like a thing about it. But yeah, yeah, it's that's the fun a, of it. That's what's been a challenge for us this year with this podcast, because usually we're not necessarily targeting a movie that might be the best movie or it's an art house movie and we know it's not going to have a wide audience. So we look to those big theatrical releases, blockbusters, at least as the driver for that podcast episode. Maybe we'll touch on other lesser known films, but we look for that one singular driver and there hasn't really been those this year. Yeah. Not in a traditional sense. And I took a look back at what my personal favorite releases were this year and I thought, Wow, there's a lot that I missed. Like there, because I was just looking through, just for the for the ease of it, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, best best reviewed films of the year, their aggregate scores, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you know, Portrait of a of a of a, of a Lady on Fire. Like I, I haven't watched that. I should have watched that, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Color Out of Space. I should have watched that. <laughs> didn't. Um, so I have I have a list, but I, I'm I'm just kind of like boggled by my own list <laughs> of your picks of for my the picks, year. My yeah. picks. Yeah. But, then, but then I saw, oh, there's a ton that I should have watched mm-hmm. that I didn't because they just didn't seem high profile enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody kind of feels that like you you have to look at other lists and then you find even if you write about movies for a living and you think you see a ton of them, it's like there's still a million that you haven't seen. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. to see all of them and so yeah and like you said like trying to find the conversation of that week and then kind of like go from there and do like a theme mm-hmm. on it um i like to do that too and it used to be you kind of would know like what that movie was 
going to be. And now it's like, it's kind of all guesswork about what the one that people actually are going to talk about is. The the Netflix introducing its top 10, like now when you can see what people are watching in the US or whatever, and it's top, it blows my mind. We put on Netflix yesterday and little Nikki was number six <laughs> and i'm like what is going on and elise was like well you know there's probably a lot of nostalgia and i'm like well no i said comfort because oh, i do, comfort, I do right, think right. in quarantine there's at least for me personally there's been this this move to let's watch things that are comfortable yeah oh yeah but for sure but it's not like it's billy madison or happy gilmore right like it's little <laughs> right. nicky which is arguably the movie that like kind of broke adam sandler for a while like people are like all right that's enough and yeah. it just blows my mind that just by nature of putting it on netflix people like people i mean you can't go out i guess but like it's either it's like yeah it's like trying to uh, understand the psyche of the nation like through whatever is on like the Pornhub homepage. We're like, <laughs> why are there so many people that want this thing? And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't. And it's so hard to figure out at any time. Same. Yeah, Little Nicky. I'm trying to remember what was one of the weirdest ones. Little Nicky's got to be up oh, there, like the um, deep the, cut Sandler movie. The Impossible, the Naomi Watts <laughs> disaster movie, where yeah. her and her husband and kids are in Thailand or wherever, and there's a tsunami. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was oh, like. Tsunami movie. That I was like remember. number one, and now she was like, like I can't believe it's number one. Thank you all so much. <laughs> like the impossible <laughs> finally did it, and I was like, what? Are you, what is happening? Yeah, I don't. I. I don't. I. It blows my mind, and I think it like to what you're saying about trying. Let's get my finger on the pulse right now. It's like impossible. Like mm. it's so crazy and it's impossible. I, my list looks like I wrote it in, in the dark. Does that say Gremlins? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. So I guess I guess I want to ask you like uh, the movies that came out this year in 2020. What are there like things that really stood out to you that you were like, oh, yeah, this is great. And I know that's kind of a weird question because all of it feels like all of the big ones got, got brushed were, away. There were good movies. That came but there out were still year. good movies. You know, is there any standouts yeah. for you? I mean, to me, like I had to make my list for uh, Uproxx this past week. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of like you, like I feel like there's 10 that half of the movies that other people picked I hadn't seen. And there's still a bunch that I Mm-hmm. need to see but like the two that i knew that i had seen that were for sure on the list were palm springs and then okay. um this movie that's called sylvie's love which i saw at sundance when it was like that was right before the pandemic and then mm-hmm. i think it's, it's coming out on amazon like next week or something like that so okay most people probably haven't seen that one yet but uh yeah those were the two that i knew for sure were on my top 10 and then you know a bunch that were also mm-hmm. yeah yeah I would probably put uh, in my top three, Hubie Halloween would be knew, in there I somewhere. Knew, uh, Little Nicky, again, <laughs> I'd want to have on that list. The 2020 re release. <laughs> the 2020 remaster of uh-huh. Little Nicky. Um, yeah, no. I, I was trying to think of the, what's the, what the last thing we saw in theaters was probably Sonic. Was Sonic the Hedgehog, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I forgot that Sonic. I, I I have a reputation for being like a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog, more so <laughs> because I think it's funny. To uh-huh. be like the the concept of like really liking Sonic the Hedgehog to me is funnier than probably the amount that I like Sonic the Hedgehog, but I'm okay with that. Uh, and the movie came out, and I just thought it was whatever. I thought it was completely whatever. But then, and I still get people tweeting at me going like, "Are you excited because it might win an Oscar?" Because nothing <laughs> else came out. I'm like, "No, I'm not excited about that." Um, I heard Jim Carrey was really good in it, though. He, he was is. really good. Did you? You didn't see Sonic? 
I didn't, but I read about it. <laughs> okay, even in the drought of 2020, you passed on Sonic. <laughs> and that's the thing is, Jim Carrey is a return to Jim Carrey, mm -hmm. and it's it's fun just to kind of watch him be pointed at something and do his thing. Yeah, but it's also a testament to where that movie seems to exist, which is in a different decade, yeah. a decade where you just want to see Jim Carrey make like googly noises and such. Um, what do you have on your list? Oh, I, I was just curious to ask Vince, like what what about Palm Springs makes mm. it that standout for you? Because we were I think we're the only two people that were kind of like Palm Springs is good. I like we liked it. We liked it, but we, we liked weren't it. like the, the way that it was, a, a, a mm -hmm. you know, a, a perfect film for others. I, I was mm -hmm. like, I don't. I don't know. I just found I found it. um I like movies that aren't like profound with a capital P, but, uh, but you know, like have something there. Like, I don't know. It was just a movie that I found myself thinking about a lot. Um, it kind of reminded me of eternal sunshine in some ways, which is mm -hmm. also, is like one of my favorite movies, but it's kind of, um, you know, like a rom-com in a non-traditional mm -hmm. rom-com sense. And, uh, I don't know. I've always, really loved uh the lonely island i feel like their our humor is on the same wavelength in some way and mm -hmm. uh so i tend to like all their stuff and that one it felt like they're, they're one of the last people i feel like there's there's not that much comedy anymore that is like funny in a non like cultural statement kind of way i don't know how to say mm -hmm. like like incisive and still like um subversive in a way but without being uh mm -hmm. like this is a like i'm putting on a chase shirt to do comedy kind of thing like i i feel like there's either there's comedy that's either really pandering or really like um you know a, a like an, an overt political statement and I, mm -hmm. I like they're they're one of the last people making comedy that i feel like live somewhere in between which i appreciate mm -hmm. yeah yeah well, I will say we watched Palm Springs and then immediately went back and watched Popstar Pop Pop Star, and uh, and then the other what's I always forget the name of it. Hot Rod. It's, Hot Rod. Yeah. Hot Rod. Yeah. Because we wanted that. Oh, and we also watched episodes of The Boo um, is how much we <laughs> yeah. were like, oh, yeah, then we want more Lonely Island because they're so Pop great. Pop Star is a perfect film. It, yeah. To me, it's just yeah. it's, a, it's a comedic whirling dervish that kind of starts and then never stops and it has so much texture in that sense. Like, I, I think it's un, endlessly rewatchable. In, in fact, I think it was you who initially wrote and then I've I've screamed it every single time it comes up about the crime that it was that none of the songs from that that movie were nominated that oh, year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never heard like any Oscar song that's as good as Mona Lisa. But, yeah. Uh, somehow <laughs> that guy, like the two bi the ones that made me the most mad were pop star not getting any nominations. And then uh, Ladies of Tampa from Magic Mike getting shut out. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very pretentious, very pretentious uh, group over there. It's a snub. Academy the snub. Um, so at least what else was do you have there? I, mean, I just sort of run the gamut on I, I looked at the the their top reviewed movies his house which came to netflix within the last month which that. i watched which is uh oh right just the these i don't know if you saw events i never know which one is that it's it's a horror film and it, it it's these um these african refugees go to england and it, it's kind of hard to it's a little bit of more like cerebral horror movie but they 
they end up in this house and they have a, a dark event in their past that then starts translating itself into horror happening in this this home that they've been given. And it's I actually really liked the premise because they're refugees and they can't it's it's you know, there's always the question in a horror movie, why don't they just leave? Like this, there's mm-hmm. clearly a problem in this house. Just leave. Like it's not worth it to stay, but they are under, you know, strict, um, uh, what's the word? Like they're under like lockdown, not a lockdown, kind of, or but like, house arrest, kind of like house arrest. It's not really how uh, they, um, a recommended stay. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they, they really can't, uh, they can't leave part of their, their, you know, ability to stay there is they they need to be in this house so they Mm -hmm. they can't leave it and it's it's pretty great like it it has some scary moments which i watch a ton of horror and i think it's tough to to create new and interesting visuals that are scary and sort of sit with you um i have the only documentary on my list because i feel like i kind of shortchanged documentaries this year was mucho mucho amor the legend of walter mercado Mm -hmm. yeah which i uh, remember that one i never saw it it it's good yeah, it's delightful it it's it's kind of the equivalent of like if you're watching you know a missing richard simmons podcast but as a <laughs> yeah uh but it, that sort of stays with you too because mm-hmm. you're like just it's just this person who's had a kind of whirlwind whirlwind life yeah a very eccentric person yeah. who's had a whirlwind whirlwind life i by the way i've forgotten so much has happened this year and nothing has happened yeah that there's mm-hmm. no points of reference for me to remember having seen these films until i see them on your list yeah and then i i was looking at them and i said oh i guess that movie came out that movie came out um the trip to greece like i we're just always yeah. advocates for mm-hmm. any of those trip films like they yeah, that, was, have, that was on my list too mm-hmm. yeah they have their shortcomings but it's just like a fun time oh yeah mm-hmm. to watch it it's Comfort watch. That's the ultimate comfort watch. Yeah. It's yeah. I think com- this one was also a little like less like this one had a little more. I don't want to say plot, but it had a little less. Uh, it wasn't just straight up like a fun lark like some of the mm-hmm. past ones have been. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> and it's kind of uh, like watching Steve become a man, but he's like 60. <laughs> well we were also simultaneously watching all of the old alan partridge shows at the same time too so you get like you get a a taste of him doing the uh alan partridge and then you watch trip to greece and then it's literally rob bryden mocking him for all of the things he did to be famous at alan partridge yeah Uh aha yeah i finally started watching that this year too and it's uh it's one of those shows that's so funny that you want to like live the past decade of your life in the UK just to understand all the references. Cause you know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing with the trip. It's like, it's funny, but you know that there are like a wealth of cultural patterns and references that you're missing at the same time. Yeah. Like, like when they say something, they describe him compared to some sort of mid nineties, British TV personality that is like n- never broke off into the like across the ocean or anything like that. Yeah, and it's tough. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's. I mean, it's funny because it's. Um, you try to think of, or at least I do. I try to think of the equivalent of like what is the American Steve Coogan or something or some mm-hmm. someone who's like super famous here. But if you said it to the average person mm-hmm. in England, they'd be like, "What? Who?" But that doesn't really exist because our pop culture is so. Um, uh, like heavily 
um, saturated in other places. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like so many English references, references just do not. Yeah, like they like we have no frame of reference for half. Of yeah, um, I'll say this real quick. If you if you haven't, there's an Alan Partridge audiobook. There are a few. Well, yeah, yeah. but they're they're all there's one that t- basically tells his story of him as a youth up to about the time he gets his show. Um, and it's really it's got some really great yeah. stuff. It's read by Steve it's, Coogan and it's all in the voice of Alan Partridge. But to your point where you don't get all those references, he has another book called Nomad, which I haven't read because I, I think it's him traveling across either the UK or Europe. And I'm kind of worried that I won't get a lot of the references. Mm. But uh, yeah, Steve Coogan, like, it's weird. My I'm trying to think of like one of my earliest experiences with him. And he's in a movie um, like Tropic Thunder mm-hmm. where you're like, mm-hmm. this he's not really he's not necessarily that funny in Tropic Thunder. And he's kind of yeah. a little bit of an antagonist in a way. Someone who appreciates comedy cast him in that movie because they knew him from something else that they enjoyed. Yeah, right. I think from like 2000, I don't know, what is it, 2009 to like 2012 or something, there was a period of like weird um, Steve Coogan cameos where yeah. like mm-hmm. they were, they knew they should try and make this guy happen, but they had no idea how. Yeah. And so, yeah, they just did like, oh, what if he shows up as a bad guy in the Will Ferrell movie or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, he, but he's always like the slimiest, most unlikable thing. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. why? We, we always scream about Tim Heidecker in bridesmaids because he's he's cast he's maya rudolph's husband yeah in that movie but he doesn't do anything he doesn't do anything stand in the background maybe there's a deleted scene or something with him somewhere or he they just thought let's put him in the movie we like him yeah it just sounds to me like someone involved in either the casting or directing or whatever of that movie knew that tim heidecker is a funny person so they cast tim heidecker even though there was nothing for him to do in that movie yeah that was that was what made it so funny is that he's (laughs) just there as like a dorky husband yeah yeah yeah. you're waiting for him um one of the movies that wasn't the best reviewed but i did like it maybe it's more a guilty pleasure fun viewing was the gentleman it was also one of the last movies i saw in theaters the um that's the guy ritchie like kind of oh, a right, right right yeah, yeah sort of soft return to God, guy ritchie forgot yeah about that movie i never actually saw that one and uh oh yeah it's it's like a if you're looking for like a fun evening rental mm-hmm. it's a good time it's got a great have, hugh grant character yeah hugh grant steals scenes yeah but it's definitely worth definitely worth a watch. Hugh Grant is wearing a Grantessence. <laughs> he's he's finally getting yeah. to to act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did what? How did you guys feel about the Undoing? Was that uh, <sighs> we haven't watched it yet? Oh, no, okay. I haven't. I haven't did, seen have you yet. watched it all? I have, and I, like I had to berate my podcast co-host last week because he was like, "I haven't watched it yet," and I'm like, "Come on, man! Everybody's talking about the finale." Um, but yeah, he did. He hasn't watched it yet either. So I won't, <laughs> I won't spoil it or say anything, but we should watch it. We have to watch the undoing. Um, it's like, it's one of those shows that like, I want to disparage it and say it wasn't very good, but like I watched every episode and mm-hmm. like it entertained the shit out of me and it kept me watching. And I really think that's kind of the only consideration with TV ever, but especially now. Mm-hmm. So, cause I mean, a lot of shows now, like I know I should watch them because they're like arty and prestige and everyone's talking about them. But uh, a lot of the times they feel padded. I've, like like back in the Sopranos days, an hour long show really meant like a forty six or forty eight minute show, and now mm-hmm. an hour long show actually means like sixty, sixty five, seventy, seventy five minute, and that mm-hmm. is 
too much for a, yeah. a weekly show. Um, and a lot of them are doing that. And uh, Undoing never, like, I managed to make it through all the episodes generally without falling asleep, which uh, is <laughs> tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> out of, if you had to rate it out of 10 floppy Hugh Grant haircuts <laughs> from 1998, how many? I would give it um, 8.1 over-injected uh, lips of, um, what's-her-face? Uh, Nicole Redman. Kidman. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was, yeah. <laughs> really blew that one. <laughs> really blew my own joke there. But uh, yeah, you got, you, you got what I was saying. We got there. We got there. I also had Borat 2 on my list, which was the movie we think we all needed. Yeah. yeah. Didn't expect, but all needed. Yeah. 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 I also, I said that... Um, the girl who played Borat's daughter really should get awards consideration because I think that is a tougher type of acting and like a ballsier type of act. Like she pulled it off and that is just incredibly hard. I can't imagine very many people being able to do what she did in that movie. Oh, absolutely. We were talking about that. Um, I think on another podcast, but we were talking about her specifically and how harder that must've been for her to, to do it. And the whole time I was watching, I was like, who is this person? Like who, like where did they find this person? That's, that's so perfectly good. And like, even when I saw the first trailer, I was like, Oh, I'm definitely going to watch this. I'm excited for it, but I'm a little apprehensive. I hope it isn't so much devoted to his daughter. Cause I feel like, you know, there's no way someone could keep up with Sasha Baron Cohen in that capacity. And then I was watching it. I was like, Oh, give me more scenes. I'll take more scenes with her. And then yeah. looked into it and she's, she just, who knows? She just came out of yeah. out of the anywhere where so some young like Bulgarian girl. It's funny, yeah, because it's like that movie. They couldn't really have a Borat because he was kind of too famous. So they mm-hmm. had to have his daughter come in and basically be the Borat, which I can't imagine too many things harder than that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because they kind of did the same thing with the Bill and Ted movie, where they had Bill, they gave Bill and Ted daughters, and then they just had them try to be exact copies of their fathers, which. Mm-hmm. doesn't make that much narrative sense in the first place. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of them kind of half pulled it off and the other one, and it was, it was yeah. just kind of annoying. And uh, if you watch that movie and then Borat too, you're like, oh yeah, this was, yeah, they, this was successful and so much harder than what they did in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, but I mean, even just beyond that, that movie, like, didn't pull any punches kind of in my opinion, like especially comedically, it was like someone probably said, all right, but it's 2020 and we can't do the kinds of things. And then someone else said, no, nah, fuck that. We're doing, and it doesn't matter. I don't care. Well, also and, has some surprisingly heartfelt moments. Like when he's in the synagogue mm-hmm. and then ultimately the culmin, I mean, it's, it starts with a, <laughs> it's appalling. It starts, yeah. but then it starts appalling, but then you get to the end and you're like, this is actually quite sweet. Yeah. She was so sweet. I mean, it's so tough to take anybody at face value now in a way that it wasn't when the first Borat came out. So, you know, part of me was like, does she like, she's, they know that this is a movie, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. not like she, she knows what she's doing and blah, blah, blah. But then her speech was just so sweet and the whole thing. Yeah. Like I almost cried watching that scene. It was so nice. Yeah. Yeah, And they give him food. He's yeah. hungry. I mean, part of it is I would just love to see how that movie is made, because like what you're talking about, how much of that is because some of it you're like, no, there's no there's no way that truck driver <laughs> like had that thing on his palate, took it off his palate 
a, a young woman came out and a stranger told him to just nail it back down. And he did like, like <laughs> right. there are certain I tried things. To, yeah. yeah. But that I tried is to get that interview. It was a non-starter, which I kind of understand. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we don't really want to know how the yeah. sausage was made there, but yeah, you watch it. And the first thought is how the hell did they shoot this thing? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to know, but like, kind of like you said, I think maybe in like 30 years, Kind of what, right. when we had, remember when we had the mask magician reveal all those old <laughs> secrets on TV in the, in the late nineties or whatever, <laughs> we need a mask magician for the Borat and movies like this, but in 30 years when it's time for people to come up with new tricks anyway, so it didn't matter. Can you imagine if it was that disappointing as the mask magician was? Where it was like, <laughs> well, the secret to making an entire plane disappear was they just pointed the camera at a different part of the runway and we're yeah. like, yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> the best the best thing about the mask magician was that it all built up to the reveal of the mask magician. <laughs> and it was like like cuz it once they ran out of oh, magic they to ruin they were like they were like it became now who is the masked magician and on the very last episode they go and now we'll be revealing the masked magician and he took off his mask and it was just some guy with brown hair and he's like <laughs> he's like like i'm i'm derek uh derek forza and i am the masked magician and everyone's just like, <laughs> like you just hear crickets or whatever well like, and then, he, just, and then- <laughs> he's loudly reading his own wikipedia page for yeah, 30 yeah. seconds and everybody's like oh Cool. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, then the next the next day headline reads: "Mask magician murdered." Yeah, found for exposing day. secrets. Well, of, he said know. he said he was doing it because he it's time for magic to evolve, and he wanted he thought that by revealing these secrets, it, it would it would force magicians to be smarter. But what it ended up doing is getting him raped and murdered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Body found outside Magic Castle. Yeah. Ass up. Um. So poor at. The Willoughbys, a charming children's film. Again, Netflix, The Willoughbys. Did you see The Willoughbys? Uh, which one was that again? I think I started. <laughs> what was that? It sounds familiar, like I started watching it. It's the one, they all had weird hair. They all had wacky red hair. Well, it was a 2020 film, I can tell you that. Okay, um, yeah. Neglected by their parents, four old-fashioned siblings venture out into the world with their new nanny, it's uh, oh geez my phone my phone's gonna fall. Um, it's oh the animated one. Okay. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I didn't see that one. It was really beautiful. I yes. D- and and for that it is memorable. It was sort of the Wes Anderson equivalent of well I guess Wes Anderson makes his own animated films so that's a new point. I was gonna say it's the Wes <laughs> Anderson yeah. equivalent. Someone of Wes Anderson but... is shaking his flimsy fist at you. <laughs> very upset. Um, yeah, it was very beautiful. I I feel like though it didn't. I don't know that I was like watching it big. I am so enchanted by this film. Klaus from last year, I feel like kind of stood out more, but um, it kind of looks like they try to do like the Ardman animation style. Like it kind of looks like the mm-hmm. character yeah. design is similar there. Yeah. There was a new Shaun the Sheep movie this year, but I didn't see it. 2020 is just full of disappointments, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, any other, any other standouts that, Oh, uh, the hunt. Uh, I did enjoy the hunt. The hunt was the last thing we saw on a big screen. We went to a drive through right before like or right. drive in before everything kind of shut down. It was a double feature of the invisible woman or the invisible man and the hunt. And I remember liking the hunt more. Um, but then looking back on my year, I go, well, I wish there was a, maybe there could have been a better movie that I saw in theaters. Cause we, still, we haven't seen tenant. We haven't seen mm-hmm. it's not trying to think of the other. seeing not worth seeing at all. I, I mean, 
I like have liked almost all of uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, and I would mm-hmm. consider myself a fan. And I hated that movie. It was like all of his worst tendencies just uh, concentrated and uh, you know blown mm-hmm. up on screen for I don't know, like th- almost three hours. It's just like some of the scenes are very impressive, and you wonder how he pulled them off. But mm-hmm. it is just the most expository dialogue being shouted at you like just mm-hmm. nonsensical expository dialogue being shouted at you for two and a half hours and you can't understand you know a third of the words anyway because he still refuses to <laughs> sound make sound yeah. imagine a world though where <laughs> we find out how borat and borat 2 are made and then the mass magician takes off his mask it's christopher oh nolan my God. it's christopher <laughs> nolan and then and it was him and he's like because he wants to raise the bar for uh, future Borat filmmakers, <laughs> mm-hmm. all, all future Borats. Mm-hmm. Vince, uh, have you seen Freaky? No, that's another one on my list. That was another one that came out of left field, where I saw like, oh, it's like a Vince Vaughn comedy horror thing, and then it got a bunch of good reviews, and I was like, oh, really? I, I had to see. I was supposed to see that one. God damn it! Mm-hmm. It is. It is good. I think it's good, but I do think that there's this trend in 2020 because we're in such a drought that there are some movies that are getting lifted up on this pedestal as being immaculate, mm-hmm. where it's just that we're starved for new films. So mm-hmm. the it's kind of how I feel about movies that release in like March, January through March, where if there's something yeah. that that's just okay, people mm-hmm. are like, this is the film of the year. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. also films that like if they hit at the right time and are about the right social issue, like no one wants to give it a bad review because that would be yeah. like a bad look at that time. And so mm-hmm. they get like wrongly held up as some of the best of the year. And I feel like every year or two, there's a very sad, dour slog of an abortion movie. And <laughs> um, and it gets held up as this like monumental Mm-hmm. piece of filmmaking because they're like see this is what it's really like yeah, which, the best abortion movie you've ever seen <laughs> yeah which is not like to me like rubbing your nose in a bad thing is not a uh successful piece of art necessarily mm-hmm. yeah me, yeah but yeah yeah this year it was that movie never rarely sometimes always, always or whatever i hadn't i didn't see it but i saw I it on a bunch it, of lists it, it's is a very it? slow and dull movie about a girl like taking a trip to get an abortion and then it's over and you're like okay yeah that's yeah now i know that that's a thing that exists yeah job yeah (laughs) you're like you're like i do feel empathy yeah so i don't you could just tell me it sucks and i'll believe you (laughs) yeah give me the cliff notes of that and i'll be just as angry that uh yeah yeah. thing that people have to do yeah i yeah i mean i think that that's always going to be a thing it's interesting because this year I mean, not to not to get into it at all, but like obviously with the Black Lives Matter and the protests and stuff like that, like there was a lot of fuel for a film that spoke to kind of those social issues to really gain some traction. But since nothing was able to come out, I feel like nothing is going to I'm genuinely curious what things are going to look like when it comes to award season and they want to talk about it. Right. Well, it's going to be the five bloods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which like the five bloods, it has like its issues. And we we talked about this because we were like Spike Lee maybe should have outsourced someone to help him with some of the action scenes because that didn't really seem to be his forte. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, Delroy Lindo, who is in that mm-hmm. is like 
I, just, I really like him a lot. The movie was yeah, just he's totally, great in everything. It was just totally wacky, wacky for me. Oh. Like, like <laughs> it felt like a bad student film. Like I, I and I, I, I'm hesitant to say that because like I am admittedly like not a huge Spike Lee fan. Like to mm-hmm. me, he is very much um, like Oliver Stone, where I feel like they just have a sensibility that I don't really. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't like it. It's very like heavy handed and obvious and I don't love it's not the kind of movies that I like. And so I kind of just let other people go. All right. I, mm-hmm. I, I realize that's not my thing yeah. anymore. But uh, it's still when people are talking about how great Five Bloods was, I was like that. It was just felt like a tonal disaster to, to me. And yeah, he was just like name dropping random events that didn't seem like they were relevant to the plot. And yeah. It, it seems like kind of what you're saying. I think Oliver Stone is a perfect comparison. It seems like they don't make films collaboratively. And like, obviously, a lot of filmmakers are auteurs and they just follow their own trail. And I think because there are some Spike Lee movies that I do like a lot. Um, but there are others that I'm like, why? what is going on here? Like, why, why did you? And when he in in The Five Bloods, when he mentioned something and it just like flashes a like static image a static of image of it and they do it's not even like a png so like you could see like like some edging on it and stuff mm-hmm. like i was like i was like did no one raise their hand like i feel like no one raised their hand and said like there's got to be a better way we can get this just in here spike that. spike can, just can we can we yeah, can we crop it spike uh, <laughs> but like i feel like yeah. he worked in a way where no one spoke up or said anything i have to like say that. i was looking forward to defy bloods because coming off of black Klansman, which i loved and i like went, yeah i went twice to see black Klansman because mm-hmm. and and the way that he used uh, file footage in that at the very end, like I sobbed the first time mm-hmm. I saw the movie because it just hits you. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're watching this movie that has a lot of moments of levity in it. And then you get to the end and he hits you with that. And you're like, oh, my God, we still live in this world. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I agree with you about some stuff with the five bloods. But for me, it was the it was just the action scenes where I was like, Spike, why are you? You don't need to do this. <laughs> well. There's well, also, the action scene. The action scenes didn't make a ton of sense either. You're kind of like, not only was it like weirdly filmed, you're like, why is this happening? This doesn't <laughs> seem like a thing that would happen. But yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Like, I actually, I also liked Black Klansman too, which is funny because, um, like politically, <laughs> Black Klansman would have made a really weird statement had it come out, uh, like this this year. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if it came out at the same time as the five bloods that like would people have been um, mm-hmm. super stoked about like the hero being a cop who infiltrates yeah. a, a radical movement. <laughs> like, yeah, politically, yeah. It's not, um, it was a good, it was like one of his better movie movies though, even though the message was very weird. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, uh, I, enough about 2020. <laughs> I want us to talk about what's to come in 2021 and how we're going to be watching those things. But quick, real quick, I want to pause so we can hear a word from our sponsor. Support for Filmhouse is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Big news, Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over at all times. Who knew smelling this good could feel this good too? Manscaped offers products that allow you to groom yourself and take care of yourself in ways that you might not have realized you'd absolutely love. Everyone knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your below-the-waist grooming needs, but they needn't stop there, and they didn't. Complete your grooming game with a new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. I have it right here. It's the refined cologne. 
Um, it it smells great. It's a perfect complement to the whole collection that you can get from Manscaped. It's light, approachable, gentlemanly in all the right ways. Okay, it's calming and inviting. Uh, it's a hypoallergenic cologne, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. It's beautifully designed in this glass bottle here, as you can see. Um, it makes a statement. It's got a manly scent, but it's not aggressively manly, okay? It's comfortably manly. Um, and now, you can use the new Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set with all your other Manscaped products to smell great anytime, anywhere. It's time to feel sexy, and that involves smelling sexy. So, get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash filmhouse. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash filmhouse. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. Filmhouse is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is the first USDA certified organic meal kit company. Also, if you've heard about us talk about other meal kit options in the past, like HelloFresh, Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh. It now offers a wider array of meal plans to choose from, and there's something for everyone, so you can basically pick and choose which one you prefer. In this case, I'm gonna tell you all about what Green Chef has to offer. Green Chef makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every single lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier. There's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. Uh, Green Chef is the first ever and only keto meal kit on the market. It makes sticking to a low-carb lifestyle easy with recipes averaging only 14 net carbs each, which, coming from someone who has counted their carbs before and frequently does, basically nothing. You can keep your carbs super low. That That is totally on track to be an amazing keto meal. Uh, Green Chef's recipes... Uh, they have vegan and vegetarian that are high in plant protein, so it's not like you're going to be sacrificing some of your other macros, just so that way you can eat vegan or vegetarian. They're rich in omega-3s. Um, actually, it's been shown by uh, experts that a plant-based diet decreases the possibility of high blood pressure, and it boosts your immune system. It's, it's good for you. It's healthy for you. Um, it's also the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. I love the ability to cook really extravagant, um, fragrant meals in the kitchen, and if they're healthy and affordable, that is a double plus on there for me. Uh, Green Chef has all of those things for me. Um, they have the Mediterranean chicken. I see Mediterranean I see Mediterranean on a menu. You got me. I see chicken. I'm done. Okay, so they got all that. They also have smoky chicken and kale bowls. It's basically a list of all the things that I love to eat anyway. Um, so you should definitely check them out. They have so many good looking items that I have yet to try. Go to greenchef.com slash filmhouse90 and use code filmhouse90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash filmhouse90 and use code filmhouse90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. It's going to be your easiest way to a healthier culinary lifestyle. And we're back. Um, yeah, so uh, 2021, it doesn't look like things are going to get that much better that much quickly. Um, so it's not like theater doors are going to finally spring open in January and we're finally going to get to see Black Widow. Um but there are still some movies that are planning to come out. There's some things on the on the release list for 2021. Very optimistic, maybe internationally, but also very optimistic studios. Um, but something interesting that's happened 
is HBO Max. And then just a quick, we are technically employees of Warner Media, Elise and I. So full disclosure there. Um, but we're going to speak honestly so and openly. We pay for our own HBO We Max. do pay for our own HBO Max. So we'll speak honestly and openly about all our opinions on it. But HBO Max, uh, a couple weeks ago, said that they are going to be doing simultaneous movie releases for the biggest movies that they have coming out in 2021 in theater somewhere, I guess. Some, I, I don't know. There's no theaters open around us, but somewhere in a theater and then also uh, on HBO Max. Um, some major releases that you people might be concerned about tom and jerry and that's it <laughs> <laughs> actually this was this was the best press they could possibly do because my brain turned off that whole keep track of what's coming out in movies and like movie news thing and so like i didn't know that there was a tom and jerry movie coming out i honestly like didn't realize there was a mortal Kombat movie <laughs> coming out <laughs> uh or godzilla or king kong but all oh, these really? things yeah i just didn't i don't know just just kind of wasn't paying attention to it wasn't wasn't checking joe blow as much as i used to um so uh but yeah so is there anything 2021 hbo max or otherwise that like you're looking forward to i'm kind of like you like i since i stopped having to do you know like eight posts a day where i post movie trailers and like and Mm -hmm. i know everything that's coming out um it's hard to keep it's hard to keep track of now so um i had to look basically all these up to see what HBO was coming out with this year and I, I had like barely heard a half half of them. Um, I mean, the ones that jumped out at me, uh, the Fred Hampton movie, I don't know the director, um, Shaka King. I haven't seen any of his movies, but mm-hmm. uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel uh, Kaluuya. I mean, I feel like those are, I can shock neither of them has uh, an Oscar yet. I don't think, mm-hmm. I think, I can't remember if Kaluuya got nominated, but they're both, like amazing and everything, yep. mm-hmm. um, and like a Fred Hampton biopic, that all sounds great. I'm gonna be disappointed if it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a big Lakeith Stanfield household. James, oh, for sure. James yeah. is like they should make him the Joker. Like, I was a few like, years ago. If you want to re- reinvent pre- the Joker, pre Suicide Squad. Pre, oh, I think it was pre Suicide. Yeah, Squad. yeah. It was before yeah. we had we got five new versions of the Joker in the last only handful of years. But yeah, I was like, I was like, I could see him playing a pretty good psychological joker against a new kind of batman but um but yeah no i i love lucky stanfield um yeah it's like stuff like that i wasn't even aware that was no nope. in in the pipeline or whatever um there's this you mentioned suicide squad suicide squad another suicide squad is coming okay what is going on with the thing where we just have new movies and they're the same name as old movies like can we not find new names to movies anymore like there was a show run on HBO and then like not even a year, the same year. Now there's a movie called run mm-hmm. on Hulu. How the hell am I supposed to keep those well, sc- to track of those in my mind? Scream. Yeah, scream. Mm-hmm. scream. Is it? Is Just, it? Yeah. I don't it's know. It's bad enough that the freaking Avengers movies don't have numbers next to them. So I can never remember. <laughs> like I can't remember which one is Endgame and which one is infinity wars. Like they all bleed into one mm-hmm. like big, mush of a movie in my I, mind i almost feel like that's what they want in some ways yeah. like i oh, mean yeah. I've, I've been saying for years that we are in the era of an existing idea has a thousand times the value well than an original idea it's almost like the the knockoff studios that you know when they want to make a knockoff of independence day they mm-hmm. call it day of independence yeah because yeah. they think that <laughs> you'll get tricked and you'll click on that mm-hmm. and you'll pay for it 
Yeah. It's almost like the old mom and mom rented the wrong DVD yeah. business model. <laughs> Except it's the studio that owns the movie, and they're just they're just <laughs> they've bought into the whole. It's just it is yeah. weird. It's and no, in this case, I think it's an anti labor thing. It's like if you're if you work for a newspaper and they decide that uh, none of their writers are going to get bylines. Um, mm-hmm. then that way none of those writers can get too big and go off and start and work sure. for the competitor or something like, so if you don't, if you don't think about like who is directing these Avengers or even which one is which, you're just like, all you think about is like, Oh good Avengers. And mm-hmm. then they, they eventually they can just, you know, pass it off to someone yeah. that they don't pay any money. Absolutely. Which is probably why we're getting a new space jam. I, w- I pulled up an <laughs> article. It was great. I pulled up an article to like, just make sure I was getting all these movies. Cause I wanted to make sure we could list them and, and refer to them if we needed to. Um, and some of these movies, I guess have so little information about them. Like it's weird. Cause you have Dune, which has full trailers and is shot. And I guess all basically almost done in a lot of ways. And then you have the Space Jam movie where the article I was looking at just used a picture of Michael Jordan talking to Bugs Bunny. <laughs> like, there's nothing to go on. So they were like, this is close enough. Sure. Like, In the Heights just showed ha- a picture of Hamilton. <laughs> like, they don't, it, no one cares at all about some of these movies. There's just not a marketing spool up yeah. for them. So they don't have yeah. any resources. They just have like their pitch book. That they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you, have you read, like, see, I still haven't read Dune and I still haven't read. Uh, and I am embarrassed to even say this, the Watchmen. And now I feel like it's too late. Like, I don't want to be, I feel like if people see me reading Dune or the Watchmen, (laughs) they're going to think I'm like the biggest like bandwagon tool. Well, it depends if your copy, if your copy that you're reading has that stamp (laughs) on it that says now a major motion picture (laughs) or HBO series or whatever, then you, you have to go on eBay and buy like an old, worn copy of the book or the graphic novel so it looks like you're reading it for like the fifth time you know yeah. like you're just picking one it with up like again. dog ears and and underlines and certain passages so it exactly. looks like i'm studying my much yeah. loved copy <laughs> of it I, I haven't read dune i almost we this is probably over a year ago i almost bought it at just in a bookstore because the pages were blue <laughs> It's like, but I was like, this is huge. It was, it was super thick. It was massive. And I was like, there's no way, like if I'm reading this in bed and I fall asleep, I will break my nose. It will cry. It will literally shatter my face. Um, but I have said that I might like audiobook Dune at some point, but now I don't know. Yeah. I always see those giant tome of sci-fi books and I'm like, there's no way I'm reading like a thousand pages just to see uh, Mm -hmm. if this is good or not. But then you know, I started on the George R. R. Martin series of books that I that I listen to as audiobooks, and mm-hmm. I think I don't know, it's like probably three hundred hours in total or something of yeah. content. And I think and I listened to some of them twice. So uh Yeah. I yeah, did. I could have learned probably like three foreign languages in that time. But <laughs> I, no, I did instead, this- I did the same thing. I had a commute, and I so I listened to all the George R. R. Martin books, including the one book that didn't have Roy Detrice doing the uh, reading and I was just angry the whole time and now he's dead so he can't even do the rest of them (laughs) I loved that he would forget which accents he did with certain people and like a few times he did like a problematic accent for one character and then by the time they recorded the next book he had forgotten and was on to like a new problematic accent yeah yeah (laughs) he was a a treasure and he will be missed Roy we miss you (laughs) yeah well he was at first when he used to do varies he did it as uh 
he did it weird, like lispy and saliva mm-hmm. at first, and it was really off putting. And thank God he forgot that he had done that by the time they recorded the next yeah. book. Yeah. Can I um, can I name some non HBO Max movies that are coming? Absolutely out not. This is a Warner Media podcast. Uh, okay. Please do. <laughs> Morbius, of course. Oh yeah, baby. Uh, James is a. a a segment called Mount Up for Morbius. I would say if anyone's gotten burned, I don't I don't want to say that I've suffered the most this year, but I'm probably probably top five humans who've suffered this year. <laughs> I'm saying facetiously. Uh-huh. Um, but well, what about what about Jared Leto, though? He suffered the most. Jared Leto. Well, yeah. Jared Leto suffered because he had to come out of that meditation and learn that COVID learn that COVID had happened. Right. <laughs> um, but Poor I guy. do on another <laughs> podcast. Bummed him out so much. He was just oh, heart on, just mellow. On this other podcast, again, I don't really have much else to talk about except for movies. But I I do a segment at the end of the podcast where I basically build hype for a movie that's coming out, and it's generally a stupid movie. So it all down. It started with Countdown for Cats. I was really excited for cats and I would have guests on and basically I would use that as an opportunity to teach people about cats, like ask them which which one of these is a made up name and which one which three are real names from it and like have the people that are on guests and play games with them. But then cats came out. So I had to find a new movie, a new what I thought was going to be stupid movie to celebrate leading up to it. And I picked Morbius Um and Could so, you explain more who Morbius is? And, of course. Uh, and what he's all about? Morbius is the living vampire. Michael Morbius, portrayed by Jared Leto in the film. Um, and other things about him. But like, <laughs> So but the, Jared Leto as mm-hmm. a vampire superhero is what you're saying? Yes. Anti, anti-hero. <laughs> um, that does sound incredible. But he... So I, start, I made this new segment called Mount Up for Morbius. Where it was the same thing. I would ask trivia about just vampires in general, but then also with the character with of the expecta- expectation that come May 2020, we would with the expectation that come May 2020, we would all be seeing Morbius and I would be able to close that chapter on my life. But then it was delayed until 2021. So I've just had to continue doing it. Oh. So I just now there's been countless segments. We don't even talk about Morbius anymore because there's nothing. There's nothing. There's no news. There's well, no one saying anything. Anyway. Morbius misery is what it should be. Yeah, now. yeah absolutely. Uh, I was I actually had to write like a, a Fincher ranking like last week or the week before mm-hmm. um, in honor of Mank. And uh, and I realized that like one of the best things about David Fincher is that for like 10 years, he would just put Jared Leto in his movies with a stupid haircut and have him get the crap kicked out of him. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. That's the best use of Jared Leto that there is. I think. It's true. It's true. There's Venoms, Halloween Ooh, Kills, yeah. Uncharted. I'll just read a bunch, then we can we can go okay. back to the, um, Untitled Spider-Man Far From Home sequel, Candyman. Uh, the Spider-Man 3 without Mission, starring Mission Alfred Mission Impossible, Molina. Jungle Quest, Fast 9. James Bond. Uh, right. Live action, 101 Dalmatians, Black Widow, of course, Black Adam. Another the Forever Purge. Um, <laughs> forever Purge? Is that an actual called, movie? It's called The Forever Purge. Or maybe it's just called Purge, but then They're like, the tagline is The Forever. In the world of The Purge, there's only one purge a year. But in this <laughs> world of the world of The Purge, there's a purge every day. <laughs> uh, Clifford, The Big Red Dog, The Man from Toronto, which I've heard from some Toronto Nights. There was not actually anyone from Toronto in it. Okay. Oh. A uh, new Sherlock movie. All right. Well, none of these sound nearly as exciting as <laughs> Matrix Four. <laughs> there are oh, space yeah. 
Um, yeah, is there anything other than... Uh, what I, was your reaction? When you saw Nolan coming out swinging... I want to, yeah, we don't, we don't have a ton of time left. I want to hear your thoughts on Nolan and then... I mean, this whole thing with streaming and I, I feel like it's, it always turns every movie writer into like, like they all think that they're like this in, industry analyst and they are the the best prognosticator. And uh, I find it very obnoxious because um, like I get, I would love to preserve the theatrical experience but also from like the studio side, they got all these movies and they have nowhere to release them. So like, mm-hmm. what else are they supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think like the ideal thing would be like, yes, for like the next eight months, just put all your movies out on streaming. And you know, if you're the government, yes, bail out movie theaters so we can mm-hmm. still have movie theaters when this is all over. But so now it's like there's these armed camps where I feel like Nolan takes anything that breaks the three month theatrical window as, you know, like anti, like an anti theater move or something. Mm-hmm. And which is weird. Cause I, I don't know. I, I get wanting people to see your movie in a theater, but obviously these are not normal circumstances. Christopher Nolan. I, I like to, I like to work out a lot. Okay. It's kind of, I, I like to work out. Gyms have been closed. I haven't been to a gym in like 10 months, but there are all these these types of people at the gym, especially if you like were a member of a smaller gym who would befriend the staff and you would often see them suggesting like, oh, maybe you should maybe you should get a couple more treadmills or, oh, I just saw this new piece of fitness equipment that came up. That's Christopher Nolan with movie theaters. I think he just <laughs> like he treats them like his collection. So he's like, you know, you got to upgrade those projectors. You're not going to there's no way you're going to get a 70 millimeter on there. Are you kidding me? Like like and so the theater owner's like, "You think?" and he's like, "Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to want to do that big time." And then so he doesn't have to spend any money on a 70 millimeter projector for himself. He just goes to the theater that now owns it. That's what he feels like. So now yeah. all this time and energy and investment that he's put into theaters, he's now he's it's being ripped away from him and I think that's really hard for him to deal with. Yeah, I also think there's this sense of um, like it's impossible to go home again. And I understand why he's angry because, you know, unless you live next to whatever, I forget what that nice theater is over by uh, that was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by the Arby's over there. Um, anyway, the like in, in, unless you live next to like a legit cinema, a cinephile theater, mm-hmm. like the multiplex experience does kind of suck like they always turn the lights down at the wrong time it seems like no one gives a shit about project mm-hmm. like how to project the movie right and kind of mm-hmm. just seems like no one cares in general and a lot of the things that we still want there to be like you can't it's hard to i'll go my example for this is um like the mall like you know when we grew up we we're growing up like you always used to go to the mall and now like brick and mortars are kind of going out of fashion and they're dying, but like you still need them for stuff. Right. So Mm -hmm. like when I was trying to buy a suit for my wedding, like I remember when I was, you know, 18 or 20 and I bought my first suit and then, you know, went to like the department store and the guy was there and he was like helping me. And then, you know, they would get get it tailored for you afterwards and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this time I had to go to the mall and I was just like walking through blocks and blocks of like an empty mall. Like there was Mm -hmm. just no one there that like to help me and, and it's like even when you want to do the old fashioned thing and support 
the thing that you remember, it just doesn't exist anymore in mm-hmm. the same format. It's like dead in some way. Yeah. And it's like it it's hard not to wonder if that is gonna happen to theaters, like the more and more people don't go to them and then they stop they start cutting staff and stop giving a shit. Yeah. I mean also like it's such a corporate thing. Like there's there's like only a handful of theater chains. It's not like I mean, I I'm the same as you. I'm desperate for the theater experience to come back and I want to participate because that's my preferred way of of viewing most. I'd say 95 percent of all movies. But it's not like we're saving the uh, the what the uncle from Munsters. Isn't he yeah. the guy who yeah, owns the theater in really, Last Action there Hero? There are really many independent theaters. At yeah. least not in bigger cities. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like it. that's the case anymore. So. I mean, yes, right. that's my preferred experience. But as you mentioned, Christopher Nolan still has a hard time calibrating his movies. To it's also I think it's a narrow sighted perspective on his part of like Christopher Nolan. People are dying. People are losing their right. jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like this is important, but it's also like, you know, like this can't be important at the expense of other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and. Like it felt like Draft House was starting to have a good thing going, where you know oh. it was the theater experience, but you could get you know these. I don't I don't necessarily need to like order a meal in the middle of the movie, but just the idea that you would go and you would have like a table there, and you didn't have to be sharing an armrest with somebody, and you could get decent food and mm. a beer, and uh, and it seemed like the theater actually took the time to tell people like, hey don't text or we're going to kick you out during this movie. Like just that was Mm -hmm. enough to make the theater going experience like so much better. And then this hit and now it's like, well, who's going to want to own a theater after this? No. And I'm even worried about the draft houses, which like for me, I love that experience so much. I do want to eat a full meal Mm -hmm. while I'm watching (laughs) a movie. Like I'm that person that we go to the draft house and I get like a milkshake Mm-hmm. too and he's always like yeah. why, why, every time you're getting this milkshake mm-hmm. it's not gonna sit well um <laughs> but but i do and i love it and but now i'm kind of even worried that that they could be in jeopardy yeah yeah and well they, it's just the the attention span that it takes to watch a full movie from start to finish is in jeopardy like even mm-hmm. i mean even for me and i'm like almost 40 years old like i i have a hard time not looking at my phone during the movie and you know for Mm -hmm. uh, for kids it's like impossible so at least with the theater experience it was a way to be like all right you have to you're forced to do that now yeah i mean the before this i I don't want to go out on a a down note so i want to there's at least some good that's come out of all of this um and uh and and Chris Nolan being really pissed off and all this HBO Max for me stuff. the consumer I'm very happy with the news well yeah it's, it's that's not what I'm referring to oh, I'm referring I to I, I put it in the document but it's a it's something I found as I was researching this podcast and it's I believe from the Hollywood Reporter they wrote an article titled Chris. Christopher Nolan rips HBO Max as, quote, worst streaming service, denounces Warner Brothers plans. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that there was art that accompanied the article. um, And it appears to be the I think Jason, that's Jason Killar, right? I believe this is the CEO. Presumably two Warner media executives. Drawn, drawn almost like, like amusement park caricature sketches. All they're missing is the tiny car and the tennis racket. Pulling away a red carpet from 
Godzilla, King Kong, Wonder Woman, and what appears to be Will Smith. I like that Will Smith got got snuck in there along is with it, Godzilla I, and Wonder Woman. Well, is he even in any of the movies? Yes, he's in King Richard, I believe. Oh, okay. is, but it's, yeah, and it's not Gal Gadot. It doesn't appear to be Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman either. It's just Wonder Woman generically the character. It's an illustration by Lamier. Um but either way, I looked at it and I was like, especially because I mentioned all that stock photos being pulled for this. Someone went the extra mile and said, no, we need art that describes this. And it's it's honestly one of the funniest images I've ever seen in my entire life. We need Godzilla going, oh, no, <laughs> save me, Chris, save me. Um, so things aren't entirely terrible because at least we have this image and I love it very much. I might get it printed and uh, and hang it over my bed. Um, but I think that's all that's honestly all the time we have to discuss this stuff. I think there's I feel like we could chat a ton. I, I honestly I'd love to have you back on uh, when you oh, have yeah, the time. Anytime. This is this is so great. I was looking forward to it a lot and I'm glad we got to do it um, real quick. Uh, Vince, where can people find more of you? Um, quickest way is at Vince Mancini on Twitter. Um, I'm also all my articles are at Uproxx. Uh, my podcasts are the Frotcast and Pod Yourself a Gun. Um, so yeah, check those out. Do whatever. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming yeah, on, thank Vince. Thank you. Please, thank you as well. You're always a fantastic guest. Pleasure doing business with you. Um, and yeah, and happy 2021, everybody. We're kicking things off with this image. I'm just going to stare at it until I fall asleep. Um, but no, thank you, Vince. Thank you, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye.